Well, the last couple of weeks we were looking, we were in the book of Esther, and we'll get back to that the next two weeks. But there was a message series that we were working through in the Gospel of Mark before COVID-19 caught up with us. And uh, that was called Life Starts Now, and today was going to be the final uh, message in that series. And when I planned this out months ago, of course, we didn't know what was going to be happening, but the message that week was going to be called Life Without Fear. And so it seemed appropriate to just jump back into that message series and finish up that series, but also finish up the Gospel of Mark and take you uh, into Mark chapter 16 as we talk about life without fear in a time when many people are feeling so much of it. You know, there are obviously a number of points of doctrine that set the Christian faith apart from every other religious uh, system. But there's one point that matters more than any other. One truth that trumps everything else. One fact that forms the foundation of everything the Christian believes. And if you're not a follower of Christ, you need to hear this. And if you are, you need to be reminded of this. that, that, That it's all about what we're celebrating today. You know, the Apostle Paul uh, wrote to wrote this to, to Christians in the ancient city of Corinth in Greece. And, and he wrote to them and he said this, if, if Christ has not been raised, then all our preaching is useless and your faith is useless. I, that's, quite a, that's quite an admission from, from this uh, really guy who wrote most of our, a lot of our New Testament. See, maybe all this is new to you and, and, and you just think Christians are crazy. For believing that, that some guy named Jesus was killed and then was raised back to life. Or maybe you think the whole crucifixion thing is, is a myth. That it's a, just a made up deal. Yeah, that he didn't really die. That the resurrection is a hoax. Maybe you think, well, you know, there's different theories. Well, maybe he wasn't really dead. He just, he just kind of was in a coma for a little while or something like that. And, 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 and maybe because of those kind of assumptions, the apostle Paul admits, hey, if this isn't true, this is useless. We're a bunch of fools if this is not true. And I'll say that. If this is not true, we're fools. We're terrible, right? But what if it is true? What if all this message that followers of Jesus have been believing for the last 2,000 years, what if it's true? What if, what if all the smart people through history that have examined this looked at the evidence and concluded that Jesus really did live that he really was crucified unto death? That he really was raised to life? What if all those smart people are right? Well, one really great author on this is a, is a guy named Lee Strobel. Lee was a, he was a, a journalist with the Chicago Tribune and he was an atheist. He didn't believe any of this stuff, but his wife had become a follower of Christ and, and now he wanted to kind of disprove the faith. So he began a journey of investigating whether or not Jesus is real and all the events that we've celebrated this week, Jesus' arrest, torture, crucifixion, burial, and resurrection. He wrote a book called The Case for Christ. And if you've, if you've ever read it, you'll know what I'm talking about. And if you haven't, it's a great read. It's easy. Just you can find that at your library on Amazon or whatever. And I just encourage you to read that book. He was so skeptical. He was an atheist. And yet as he looked at all the evidence, he had no choice but to admit, this is true. This is real. It really happened. And if it really happened, then you have to address, okay, how do I respond to this? If Jesus is really is the Son of God, what do I do with this knowledge? But there were witnesses who were actually there at the resurrection. 
And that's where we're going to go in Mark chapter 16. If you've got a Bible today, I want you to find that. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Uh, So Mark is the second gospel, second book in the New Testament. And we're in the last chapter. And and uh, all four Gospels re- record the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus. But but really, Mark's version, get this, Mark's version is weird. It's strange. It's odd. It's incomplete. If you open open your Bible up and you look at Mark, you get eight verses in and then it says, then it's kind of ended. But then there's an extra little bit. It says the shorter ending of Mark and then it says a longer ending of Mark. And you think... What's going on here? Let me just make a quick comment. If you've got your Bible open, and if you're following in a Bible, Mark 16, you'll see that there's parts where it says shorter and longer endings. What we think happened is either Mark's very original first written copy was lost or incomplete, or he just ended where we're going to end today at verse 8, and other uh, authors felt they needed to finish it out for him. Um, so some of the very earliest manuscripts do not include those last several verses. That does not mean it's not inspired by God. It does not mean it does not belong in the Bible. But it just means the very original author probably did not write those portions. But they're still God's true word for us. Nevertheless, we're going to stick with what's probably the very original and just read the first eight verses of the gospel of chapter 16 of Mark's gospel. Because he writes this. He says, Saturday evening... When the Sabbath was ended, now remember Jesus was crucified on a Friday. Saturday is the Jewish Sabbath when no kind of work or activity is allowed to take place. It says, when Sabbath ended, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome went out and purchased burial spices so they could anoint Jesus' body. Very early on Sunday morning, just at sunrise, they went to the tomb. And on the way, they were asking each other, who will roll away the stone for us? from the entrance to the tomb. But as they arrived, they looked up and saw the stone, which was very large, had already been rolled aside. Now, if you're looking at that picture behind me here, this is what they call the garden tomb in, in just outside the, the old city of Jerusalem, where many people believe it may have been the actual tomb of Jesus. And right in here is where a large stone would have been rolled. There's a trench there that would have contained a large a large stone to cover the opening. Now verse 5 says, When they entered the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and the women were shocked. But the angel said, Don't be alarmed. You're looking for Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. He isn't here. He's risen from the dead. Look, this is where they laid his body. Now go and tell his disciples, including Peter, that Jesus is going ahead of you to Galilee You will see him there just as he told you before he died. And the women fled from the tomb, trembling and bewildered, and they said nothing to anyone because they were too frightened. It's kind of an odd way to end the account. I mean, I think it's strange that that it ends with them, these women who should be excited, they should be, you know, thrilled, they should be happy, they should be singing and rejoicing and jumping around and high-fiving and like, yeah, woo! Right? It ends with them running away in fear, bewilderment, confusion. Why? I mean, why are they so afraid and confused? I think it really comes down to expectations. And we're, this is what we're going to talk about. They went to the tomb of Jesus fully expecting to find a corpse. 
right? A body. In fact, one starting to smell bad. The, the spices that they that they purchased the night before were not embalming spices. The Jews didn't embalm. The spices were to honor the deceased and to honestly mask the stench of decomposition because the body is beginning to rot. And yet when their expectations were not met, they were awash in fear. See, fear is a common experience, right? Especially these days, for all of us. But friend, if you're battling fear and anxiety, if you're feeling afraid, I've got good news for you. Fear does not need to be your daily reality. The Bible has lots to teach us about overcoming fear, that, that it's trusting in Jesus, that it's receiving God's perfect love that casts fear away and out of us. And this resurrection account shows us that a big win over fear is a change of expectation. A change of expectation. See, the women were filled, filled with fear in part because they had the wrong expectations. They expected the worst and when that wasn't met, they were actually afraid rather than overjoyed. You know how it is when you expect something bad to happen and that doesn't happen? You know where your mind goes? You go, oh, it's going to get even worse. It's going to get even worse. And that's, a, I believe, where they were at. So I would say this, that an antidote to fear is a change of expectations. An antidote to fear is a change of expectations. After all, it's the unknown that scares us, right? Some of you love going to, you know, to haunted houses at Halloween. You love going in because you want to be, you just, you want to just have a, the, the pants scared off. You just want to be freaked out. And, and it, it works because you don't know what's coming. You, you, you don't know what to expect. And so you get scared by that. But I bet you if you, you know, let's say you went like five nights in a row, you went to the same thing and you'd begin to expect, okay, here's where the arm reaches out and grabs you. Here's where the wet noodles are going to dangling and they're going to fall, fall over your face. And, and here's where the scary mask is going to jump out. This, okay. And you knew what to expect. You're not afraid anymore. Well, I, I, I think that some of the same things happening here, these women, they had these expectations at the tomb and, and, and because those expectations were, were not met, they were left to be afraid. And we're going to talk about that and how we can shift our own expectations in this season of fear and this crazy time that we're in and how that can change. So three things. First of all, these women, they expected a stone, but the tomb was open. They expected a stone, but the tomb was open. See, they purchased those spices and anointments as, anointments as soon as they could. The shops are closed on Saturday, Sabbath, and so they opened in the evening. They went off, they bought the stuff, and then so first thing Sunday morning, they could go and approach the tomb. And as they're going, they're, they're asking, who's going to roll away the stone? Right? They were going, but expecting the tomb to be closed. It's kind of an odd Lack of planning on their part. But, but there they are. They're expecting the tomb to be closed. And who's, who's going to roll that stone away for us? And I would say this. All of us, you and me, we have stones rolled in front of us. We have, we have a, a stone of, uh, uh, that's rolled in front of us. It's closing off our hope. Closing off your faith. Blocking your dreams and blocking your desires. And, and getting in the way of what you believe God has called you to do. And our problem is not so much that we experience the barriers. Barriers are, are often normal. But that we expect the barriers. We expect things to happen. Someone says, well, I'm, I'm too old or, or, or I'm too young to, to, to make a difference. Or I don't have enough money or I don't have education or I'm not tall enough. I'm not short enough. I'm not good looking enough. I'm not creative. I'm not, I can't sing like, like these people on the stage can sing. I mean, I, 
you know, I, I'm just too busy. My schedule doesn't allow it. Whatever, we have some expectation of barriers. And we, we just, we expect that stone to be in the way blocking the dreams and desires and, 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 and visions that God has given us. But expecting barriers keeps you from accomplishing the very thing that God has put in your heart to do. And imagine if those women had gotten it, had listened, and had understood Jesus' promise to rise again, because he had told them it would happen. What if they had said, hey, let's go. I, I bet the tomb's empty, but, but we need to go see for ourselves. Let's, he's probably already risen, but let, let's just go see. Can you imagine their excitement if they'd gotten there, and, and sure enough, it was open? Like, what if you expected your barrier to be gone instead of expecting the worst? So they expected a stone, but the tomb was open. And secondly, they they expected a a, a corpse, but the tomb was empty. Not only was the tomb open, the tomb was empty. And I I don't know about you, but I I feel like the culture really tries to make me a pessimist. And honestly, it often works. Uh, If you've been listening to the news this week, you'd think that we're all going to die, that the, the, the nation will never recover, that the president's trying to kill us. I mean, if depending what you listen to, you could have a pretty bleak, dismal, depressing outlook. And we've been conditioned to expect death, death to dreams, death to your future, death to your God-given desires. But what, what if, what if instead we changed our expectation to that of life? What if we expected that God's at work on your behalf Right? That in all things, God is working for the good of those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. Are you called to His purpose today? If that's the case, He's working on your behalf. In all things, God works for the good of those who love Him. Do you love Him today? Then God's at work on your behalf. you got to change that expectation. Instead of expecting death, expect life. And can you imagine the excitement of those women if, if they'd understood and if they'd believed what Jesus had promised? If they'd gone not expecting this, this situ, you know, the worst situation, but the best. Because Jesus had said this. He'd said this of himself. He said this. The son of man is going to be betrayed into the hands of his enemies. He will be killed, but three days later he will rise from the dead. And they didn't understand what he was saying. However, and, and they were afraid. To ask him what he meant. So they'd heard it, but they didn't get it. And, and, and they just said, oh, well, I don't want to. And that left them in fear and they had the wrong expectations. I wonder, I wonder about you this morning. Wherever you are, where you're watching this, maybe you're going to be watching this later. Whatever you're thinking about today, are you expecting barriers? Are you expecting death to God's promises to you? Or are you expecting life? Are you expecting the barriers to be rolled away? Now, last of all, and and here's where their fear really kicked into high gear. They expected misery, but they were given a mission. They expected misery, but they were given a mission. Remember, they didn't buy the spices for the kitchen. These were burial spices for a dead body. This was to be an important moment in their grief. They fully anticipated being in misery over the death 
of Jesus. But instead, they met a living angel who gave them a mission. The mission was to go deliver a message to the disciples. The disciples then were also given a mission to go make disciples, Jesus followers of all nations. But but because they expected a big stone and because they expected a corpse and because they expected the, the misery of grief, they were frightened. They were frightened when they got this mission. They were, they were bewildered. They were anxious when, when those things didn't happen. And, and instead of being excited, as we'd expect, we read it and say, oh man, they should have been so excited. They ran away in fear. Maybe you and I would have done the exact same thing. Maybe we would have been just as terrified. And right now, the whole world, as you know, is caught up in a pandemic of fear. It's not just the pandemic of COVID-19. I feel like we are in a, in a, in a pandemic of fear. Fear is harming so many people right now. And we're told terrible things are going to happen. And so that's what we expect. And because we expect the worst, the fear grows. And it just it just mushrooms if we're not rethinking our expectations. So what if today, what if this Resurrection Sunday, what if this 2020, we, we began to change our expectation? What if we... What if we expected that God is at work, that he's preparing his church for the last days before Jesus returned? What if we looked and said, God, you are up to something. You are, you are stirring your people. You are, you are moving in a, in a fresh way. You are bringing life where there's been death. You're bringing hope when there's been despair. You're bringing peace where there's been fear. What if we looked at it that way? And what if you embraced the expectation that Jesus has a mission for you in spite of how things are looking right now? What if you lived expecting that God is going to resurrect dreams and visions and and resources that we think are long gone? What if you lived with this expectation that that God's going to roll away those obstacles from you and keep that keep you from the purposes he has for you and and lead you into his mission. I'm going to invite the worship team to to come back on the platform because we're going to we're going to sing one more song. Uh this song's called There was there is another in the fire and it's just a declaration that whatever you're experiencing right now, whatever you're going through, the expectation has to be Jesus is alive. He's present in my situation. He knows, he cares. In in, in the message of today of this resurrection Sunday of Easter is that Jesus is alive now. Not not just that he rose from the grave and was alive then. He's alive today. And we serve a risen Savior. This morning, if you if you want to, you can go back and watch our, our sunrise service. We, we broadcast early this morning. But we're talking about how every other religion goes to a tomb, goes to a monument of, of that leader's burial place. But But the Christian church has done a terrible job of remembering where Jesus was buried because it doesn't matter. He's alive. The tomb is unimportant. The women didn't realize until later, right, that Jesus was raised to deliver us from exactly those things that leave us bewildered, fearful, confused. They didn't realize they had it all backwards. They thought Jesus had left them on their own when in fact he was with them more than ever. They had absolutely no reason to fear. And I wonder about you today. Are you living in fear? Are you living in faith? Are you living in confidence that God's at work? Or are you anxious about the barriers in your life? The death that you're looking at? 
What are you focused on? What is your expectation about how God's going to work? Maybe, maybe you're not even sure that you know uh, that you have a relationship with Jesus. Maybe you, you, if, if, if today were the day that, that you were to die, you don't know for sure where you would spend eternity. Well, God's promises are true. And he says, if anyone would put their faith, Jesus says, anyone who will put their trust in me for forgiveness of the sin and new life will be saved for eternity. We, 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 it's most succinctly summarized this way in scripture at least three times. Anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. The apostle Paul said that it's by confessing with our mouth, Jesus is Lord and believing in our heart that God raised him from the dead, that we will be saved because it's with our confession we're we're made right with God and by believing in our heart that we're, we're given new life. I wonder about you today, if you've come to that place of surrendering your life to Jesus and starting fresh, starting in life instead of death. The way we talk about it here is it's a simple A, B, C. They help you remember that, that it begins just to admit that, yeah, I'm a sinner and I need saving. The B is to believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that He died for your sin and He rose again. And the, the C is to commit your life to follow Him all your days. I'm going to lead you in a short prayer today. Maybe you're somebody, you, you've explored the Christian faith. Maybe you've been around church. Maybe this is all brand new to you. But you've never come to that place of putting your faith in Jesus Christ. Why not today? The day of new life. Why not today receive new life from Jesus? You could just, I'll, I'll just lead you in a simple prayer that follows that ABC. And you could just repeat after me right where you are, whether you're alone or with your group uh, of people. Don't be ashamed. If you're not ashamed... Of Jesus, he will not be ashamed of you. And it begins like this. You would just simply say, Jesus, I admit that I'm a sinner and I need saving. Jesus, I believe you're the son of God. That you died for my sin. And that you rose again. And Jesus, I now commit my life to follow you. And if you prayed that with me today... Welcome to the family of God. You have received new life in Jesus. The Bible says that anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. That's why Jesus went through all of this for us. He was crucified. He was buried. But he was raised to life. That's the good news. Change your expectations. Expect freedom from him. Expect the barriers to be gone. Expect life instead of death. And expect a mission. Know that Jesus is with you. Whatever fire you're experiencing, whatever flood you're going through, Jesus is right there with you.